0: You don't really need to spend a lot of time with a salesperson as he explains to you what an Accord does. Like, you know what an Accord does, right? It's a car. Never forget that you have the tools to build a life
1: on your own terms. Forget the haters. This is Founder Quest.
0: We just had a, a new customer sign up just like minutes ago and said that the reason they signed up was our podcast. So Oh, awesome. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, pro tip for all you SaaS operators out there, put a little box in your onboarding asking people how they heard about you or whatever. It's very, very informative.
2: Yeah, it is. And then do a podcast for, and wait a 100 episodes.
0: <laughs> those, those steps are optional. I really do like, though, having those onboarding introductions is what we call them. We have a channel in Slack for them. And having those show up periodically is like a little, little, endorphin rush. Like, I love seeing those show up on our Slack channel. And, you know, we also have a cancellations channel that has the same thing with cancellation messages, and that's not quite as fun. But thankfully, we see fewer of those messages than we do the onboarding messages. But I just, I really like having those things in Slack. It's nice to see that throughout the day.
2: Yeah, definitely. So I imagine this is going to be a little bit of a shorter one, because we just recorded last week's podcast, like, on Monday, and today's Thursday. So... There's not as much time that's passed to let, I don't know, to let the hot takes regenerate themselves. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I have a hot take for you. And it, I guess most hot takes are That's what great. we're best at here. Right. So I'm working on an update to the Heroku integration. So, you know, we, we have a Heroku add-on. And we started that add-on, like, I don't know, back early early days. So it must have been like 2012, 2013 or so. It's a long time ago. Well, in 2018, apparently, Heroku released an updated version of their API for partners like us, and it has a new provisioning thing, and you can actually call back to their API and get some information about like who provisioned the add-on and stuff like that. So it's great. We haven't ever really gotten around to changing our particular add-on because it works just fine, so why bother? But I've been looking at synchronizing the Heroku pricing with our current pricing because we've done a number of pricing uh, variations since we launched the Heroku add-on. And so now the the two sets of pricing are pretty out of sync. So as I started to get into that, I was like, well, you know, while I'm here, how about I just you know update <laughs> the API, right? yeah, classic <laughs> classic rabbit hole, right? And so I spent some time doing that and found, you know, some interesting quirks and so on about our integration and, Anyway, it's all good. Like I got the work done and I did a PR and and Josh and Kevin like gave me the thumbs up and I'm ready to deploy except I have two questions for the Heroku people about the migration because the migration you got to be careful, right? Because like the, the V1 API is not compatible with the V3 API and so you have to store different sets of data and the IDs in particular are different. Like they used to pass what they call a Heroku ID and now they pass an add-on ID and you got to, you know, handle the the transition carefully or else someone, you know, that maybe they can't add on the thing. Maybe they can't start being a customer. Maybe they can't remove the add-on, which would be a problem because, you know, or maybe they can't log in. Or log in, yeah, that would be frustrating. a problem.
1: Because <laughs> right? so, they still get the emails.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so my questions with, for Heroku around this migration re- revolve around this ID and like handling SSO and making sure that we can still you know provision and deprovision properly. Anyway, so I put two questions to them in support two days ago, and that's my gripe because that's the hold that's, up. That's the hold up. Yeah. I can't deploy because I can't get answers to these questions apparently, and so I'm just like, oh, okay. I understand, like people are busy and stuff, but I would like an answer sometime. There's no autoresponder. There's no "we'll get back to you in X amount of time." No, it's just like off
2: into the void, and I'm just waiting. Did you maybe use the legacy support page <laughs> instead of the current one? No, no, use the current one. Oh, yeah, okay,
0: yeah, a good question though. Good, I like that. This
2: is just
1: another example of like coding being the easy part.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and also a good example of like third-party integrations causing technical maintenance burden. Like, oh, for example, like Clubhouse, they recently renamed themselves to Shortcut, right? And so we had to, you know, do a little bit of work there and rename stuff inside of our app. Yeah, it wasn't a whole lot of work, but it was some work. But you multiply that kind of work by the number of integrations you support and... Mm -hmm all of a sudden like this is ongoing maintenance work that doesn't it's just you're just treading water trying to keep up with what everybody else in the world is doing right
1: yeah as new as new integration you know as new apps come onto the market and everyone wants to integrate with them you just gradually expand until you i mean you still have to support the old ones right yeah i think we're definitely getting to the point where every new little thing we add is like (laughs) yeah we're starting to feel it
0: We are starting to feel it. Yeah.
1: And like depth of the integration is also I've noticed is like a big, a big thing because like, there's a few integrations that we'd like go a lot deeper with like GitHub and you know, Heroku obviously is like a a good example of that. Um, We have a lot of issues with JIRA I've, (laughs) I've seen, but who doesn't, but it does seem like the more standardized something can be. And yeah, just, I don't know. When you're like integrating with OAuth and lots of custom APIs and stuff, like they they're gonna switch it out on you at some point.
0: You have yeah, to support it'd, it. It'd be it would be nice if there was like a, a Zapier Plus plus, like a next level Zapier, right? Where it just it just abstracts away all these differences and you can just you know, it's like a universal kind of thing. So like, I know that probably Yeah. Possibly be impossible, but or almost like the pitch, I could see the pitch there
1: being almost like an LTS. An LTS contract for for integration APIs like you get a you get a contract. That this API isn't going to change for like like twenty years, um, and they'll just you know they'll do the in, we'll do the internal migrations to mm-hmm. like keep the API the same for you. Yeah, there you go.
0: That's that's an interesting idea. I, I yeah. wonder how
1: much that kind of service would cost. <laughs> I don't know. Someone at Microsoft had like a service that like built like managed the integration side for you. Was that Jonathan? Yeah,
0: Cumbia. Yep. Yeah.
1: I don't know if that was like similar. I, I know it wasn't quite. That wasn't quite the idea, but like it was the idea that like they like give you a hundred integrations for free or whatever. Like much right. easier to integrate with them.
0: Yeah, yeah. You just plug in, and all of a sudden, you yeah, have all these integrations. Plug and play. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we'll link that in the show notes or see if it still exists. I haven't. Was it I haven't s- talked to Jonathan in a long time. Or what? I can't. Maybe that's yeah, something that else. Yeah, that sounds that's, familiar.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I yeah, remember like yeah. having their like sticker in front of me at the table at <laughs> microconf
0: having not gone to microconf or business software or anything else for a couple of years now it's like yeah. it's hard to keep track of what people are doing and because usually that's where I would see Jonathan
1: you know there was a microconf microconf local happened in Portland yesterday and I was kind of I was kind of I, I didn't go but I in hindsight I kind of wished I had but yeah I saw, saw a little bit of activity on Twitter.
0: Yeah, it looked like they were having a fun time. And, and I had the same kind of feeling. It was like, yeah, I wasn't really thinking about going. But then after seeing some of the tweets, I'm like, oh, that actually would have been yeah. fun to be there.
1: You know? I'm uh, in the middle of, like, my kids are home from school this week because there was a COVID case at the school. And so we've got got that. That's fun. and And the school, like, was not as equipped as we hoped to, like, handle all the coordination and stuff, like the communication. I don't know. Just they're still getting it together, it seems. So could be better. Did
0: did you sit there and think there should really be an app for managing this kind of communication? (laughs) That would be,
1: that would be, yeah, that would be, uh, (laughs) that would be something. Yeah. Not everyone seems to know how to use email. (laughs) (laughs) That that could be
0: problematic. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I've never gotten so many emails about like a specific thing as you know, recently (laughs) now that my daughter's going to school. Yeah. And yeah, a lot. Bad. They're <laughs> just like there's just so many of them about all these different aspects of things.
1: Do they do they put urgent everywhere? Because like I've got a whole inbox of urgent emails now.
2: <laughs> oh no. Like, <laughs> like they seem to be pretty on top of it. Like they're kind of like the whole COVID stuff puts a whole another layer on top. Like I'm sure opening school is already like a lot of work. Yeah. But, you know they're. Scrambling around and like erecting tents in the on the blacktop so the kids can eat lunch outside and you know all yeah. this stuff. They've created an, an official an official channel for parents to raise their safety concerns with the school because I I think they were just getting bombarded by everyone.
1: Yeah, uh, I think that's where we are, and and I'm hoping that's they they come up with something like that, <sighs> like some sort of process for raising concerns.
0: Yeah. I wonder if we'll start seeing like a, a school board or maybe a school level, uh, position, right? Like pandemic coordinator. Right. And that's your, your point. I, sure. I
1: really hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it doesn't last long enough to like bake the position into society, but like, I guess like a, yeah, some sort of health coordinator, I could see that mm-hmm. being a thing for sure. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. I mean, they could probably do other things when there's not a pandemic happening. I, m- <laughs> I imagine <laughs> still be useful
0: wouldn't be a full-time job is what you're saying. Yeah, well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like I was surprised that like the school does offer like free, like flu vaccine drive-through clinics. And like they do a lot of stuff that's just not just directly school and that was a little bit surprising. I mean, it's awesome, but.
1: Maybe I need to move to Seattle. Yeah. Yes, Yeah. we'll yes, you help you find a house.
2: Nice. Yeah, it'll, it'll only cost you like a million dollars. Yeah.
1: On the low end, right for
2: for a starter house. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, we could talk about one of the things that I've that we were discussing this week was the you know the hook relay launch, and I thought one interesting conversation we had was because we've we're uh, making a few improvements to the sales site before we send out this email and like publish a blog post and do some like basic like you know launch to our customers. And Ben, you had, you've been working with like a contractor or you found a contractor to do some website, like some redesign stuff. Cause the website, we put it together kind of like, I don't know, what is it? It's a tailwind, it's a mm-hmm. tailwind site. I'm Just like what, like tailwind UI, fairly a boilerplate and not really very polished. So we thought it would be cool to, uh, you know, kind of polish it up and rethink some of the content and Make sure like everything flows together in terms of like call call to actions and things like that. But we're at the we we have a decision to make. Like, do we do we kind of just like do a little bit of work to make it launchable and then launch, or should we like go for this full redesign that the designer, of course, is trying to pitch us on? And I'm thinking that like ship it is the way to go. Make it shippable and then come back and we'll do the big the big overhaul.
0: Yeah, I, I've heard smart people say that. If you're not embarrassed by what you ship, then you waited too long. So, yeah.
1: So we're probably making a mistake by not just shipping it as is, huh?
0: (laughs) So the current site, like if you look at the, I mean, there's only like four pages, right? Yeah. And and of those four pages, the best looking one, I think is the one that Kevin did. That's the documentation page. hmm. Put a lot of good work into that. And then the second best, I would say, is probably the the guide that you wrote. So that's that's draw. because
1: because I copied Kevin.
0: <laughs> I copied <laughs> Kevin's then, work. <laughs> and then I would say the next in series is the pricing page. I think it looks OK, but that's like straight from tailwind based copy paste. Copy like we paid, you know, what, 750 bucks for the components and then. Worth every penny, right? And then I would say the worst of all the pages is the homepage. And that's the page that's all me. Like I <laughs> I put that together. So I think it's pretty clear who needs to stay away from design <laughs> at Honey Badger. It's, it's been.
1: But in your defense, like you you put that together, like when the product was like, like n- barely even alpha. And it's we true. were like, we right. should just like, we should really like buy a domain for this. And so right. you like wrote a little letter and put it on there and we haven't revisited it. Since, so that's kind of what we're talking about is just revisiting, you know, making a few small changes, and then then we'll get around to hopefully making something more professional. Or I don't know, I mean, yeah, who's so. talking?
0: <laughs> but it's it's funny though. As I was as I was working with that designer that that we found to help us, as we were like scoping out the project, it was I felt uh, a bit of deja vu. But from the other side, because I remember as a freelancer, like I was always, you know, pitching people on the project and I would give them the grand vision and you know, and here's the price tag. And they'd be like, Ooh, ow, could you could you cut, you know, X, Y, and Z, could get the price down to whatever, you know. And it wasn't about the price in this case; it was about time. We wanted to get that homepage done faster, so that we could get this launch done sooner. You know, rather than doing a whole redesign. But I still felt kind of guilty going back to designer and say, "Okay, that's that's great, but could we, you know, cut like all those pages and just do this yeah. one page?" <laughs> it's
1: not the it's not the price, <laughs> the time frame. So, right. so are they going to be able? To, you think they'll be able to do a quick-ish turnaround, like, so that we'll get to get to ship this thing?
0: Yeah, I think so. I made the mistake of not actually setting a deadline. So I realized that after I agreed and paid the deposit and all this kind of stuff. And so I'm like, I don't actually know when he's going to deliver stuff. That could be a problem. But I figured I'd just wait a few days because, you know, I'm thinking it it should only take a few days. What do I know? I'm not a designer, obviously. But uh, (laughs) I figured after a few days, if I see nothing or hear nothing, then I'll be like, okay, so what's the timeline? And hopefully it'll be something like, you know, next week. But
1: this project awesome. is just like is he is he already like does he, is did he just have access to the like the GitHub repository or is he like working something up like a some sort of prototype or, or something like so,
0: that? Yeah, so he's gonna be doing a prototype. So first first thing is uh, he asked us, do we want? How do we want to get the design part? So like the choices were a PSD or Figma, and there also was a question and the onboarding was, okay, do you want me to build this out in HTML and CSS? And of course, yes, like yes, I want you to do more work for me. Thank you very much. Uh, so. So the first version is just a design in Figma and, oh, actually three. So he gave us the option of just doing one, like I'll do a design and, and you accept it or not, or doing three designs. I went for the three designs because I mean, I'm a client now, so I get to like, you know, be be deciding and stuff. So that will, that will slow us down a little bit, obviously, because there's going to be three designs instead of one, but we'll get yeah. those three designs. But that's for Figma. the, that's for like
1: the big project, right? Or, or is he doing three think, for the initial...
0: Well, I, I think that, I think for the, for the homepage, okay. I think there's basically, yeah. I think what I was trying to communicate, I think I communicated was what we want to do is basically a two stage project. Like we want to do the whole design, but we want the first stage to be, let's get the homepage set. So what I'm thinking okay. is like the design that he goes with for the homepage will then carry through to the rest of the project, the rest of the pages. So gotcha. that's my, that's my hope.
1: I don't, do you know, I, I it sounds like he's, more like he's going to be coding if he's coding this up in html and css like i wonder he's probably not using like is he using anything to start with like could he use could he do this in tailwind for instance because that might be useful in the future if we want to like you know take over if we want to like do some you know of our own design in the future which you know what we're capable of is basically tailwind or bootstrap
0: yeah, I didn't <laughs> specify to use Tailwind. I didn't yeah. really care at the moment. I just wanted whatever is fastest. Makes sense. And I, f- and I figure if we decide to revisit and do some structural stuff, we can always adapt it to Tailwind ourselves. Like that kind of thing, I can do. You know, I can take an existing oh, yeah. design and I can I can rework it. You know, so I figured just get it out the door, get it done as quickly yeah. as possible. I don't I don't care what you do, and then we can we can revisit if we need to. Cool.
1: Well, I'll be. Uh... I mean, when, once we get the whole thing redone, that'll be that'll be nice. I don't know. We've yeah. never really done that. Like we've on on Honey Badger IO, we've never like we've always just done it ourselves.
0: A new venture for us to try. Yeah, try this sort of thing. It's great. I like experiments. So we had an ex- speaking of experiments, we had an experiment that did not work out, and I suppose we should talk about it. We, we decided that the sales, the outbound sales effort, is not working out for us. So I worked worked with Harris at Intro CRM. We've talked about this on the podcast before. And Harris is great. Intro CRM is great. 100% recommend Harris and his team. If you're thinking about doing some sales stuff and you want some training, some coaching, or you want someone to help you do it, all of those things are great. But after having done sales work with Harris, uh, I just realized it's probably not going to work for us. Maybe it's maybe it's me. Maybe it's our business. Maybe it's our customer segment. Maybe it's a combination of all those things. But you know, Harris and I, so I told Harris, eh, it's just not working out. We need to, we need to turn this down and uh, turn it off. And Harris was like, yeah, I was getting the feeling based on the response rate, like, which is zero, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, that it just, just wasn't working. And so we, so like on Tuesday, I had a great call with Harris and we just did a post-mortem, basically the whole project. And like, why, why didn't it work? Like we were hoping it would work. And, and it was, it was a blameless post-mortem. Like, I don't think there was any particular fault. I think there are factors like we sell Primarily to developers, and developers primarily usually don't want to be talked to, right? They don't want to talk to a salesperson. They don't really want to get unsolicited stuff, and so that's a factor. I think also, like the nature of our product, like you don't really need a salesperson to explain to you exception monitoring, right? Like it's like uh, if you go to the car dealership and you're looking for an Accord, you don't really need to spend a lot of time with a salesperson as he explains to you what an Accord does, like. You know what an Accord does, right? It's a car. Like if I, I know I want an Accord versus a Camry, like I don't need any help, right? Just, just tell me the car. <laughs> and I think uh, it's this kind of the same kind of thing here. It's like, we're not selling something that's really complicated or that needs a lot of education or it needs a lot of configuration or, or whatever. Like it's not a solution-based sales, which I think would be a better fit uh, for that kind of sales process. So, and, and yeah. there are other factors, but yeah. So that's an experiment that I think is just, it didn't work out
1: it seems like we're really positioned to sell to the developers and it's not that we couldn't i mean we could try to sell ourselves to cuz it seems like depending on the size of the team that's using a tool like this like you get people in the organization higher up that get involved like like managers or like product managers or like engineering leads and stuff that are trying to do more of the like management and coordination stuff and those are the people that like the dashboards and the SAML and like all the more enterprisey features, but we don't typically like lead that's not how our product is positioned. We haven't positioned ourselves to sell to that level, really, it seems. And yeah, I don't know. That's that's kind of interesting. Cause I, you know, you wonder at some point, like if the developers are deciding what tool to buy, do they buy the same tool as like their bosses? And we're trying to like give the developers what they want. Maybe more than (laughs) we're trying to give their bosses what they want. (laughs) And, you know, and then we try to build those features too, so that we can keep everyone happy. But like, it's kind of a different, like you could see, like i trying to take the same approach with like someone up the higher up the ladder or whatever. I could see that not being as interesting.
0: And there are other factors. Like one of the things that Harris taught me about sales is he said the money is in the follow-up basically like you need to keep reaching out to the same people basically until they tell you to go away. And that's not what I'm about. And I don't really want to do that to people. Like I we, we yeah. created email sequence and, and and Harris was like, well, we need to do an email sequence like this. And it's like in emails long. And I'm like, how about two? We send one <laughs> and then we send one more and that's it. And Harris is like, you know, so I, I think in yeah. many ways, like I was tying his hands because I didn't want to do the kind of sales process that a lot of people do, right?
1: Well, I imagine like putting your face on those emails, probably like, you don't, you don't want like to make a bunch of enemies of developers that you might have to work <laughs> with in the future. But right. like, did you consider just like making a completely fictional sales, like salesperson persona? And it could have just been like, you know, we could have put them on the, on the sales page and everything. It's just like this fictional person that takes all the heat for, <laughs> for sales.
0: Uh, I never thought of that. That's a great idea. Cause that's on Bobby, Bobby, the badger
1: yeah maybe that's like a side like you know kind of an upsell uh offering that harris can can add to uh, to his uh productized thing like if you know if you don't want to take the heat like we can create some for you
0: <laughs> that's a, that's an awesome idea so, uh, i'll forward that on and and another factor is you know because there are there are companies where we have competitors that are selling into the enterprise and doing that sort of thing and i think you hit on a point there it's like are we are we selling to? Are we selling the, the typical enterprise solution where the buyer has to be happy, or are we selling something where the user has to be happy, right? And and sometimes that's they're both happy, but oftentimes it isn't. And in our case, we're focusing on that end user, and it doesn't make that user happy if we're pestering them with emails or you know getting in their way of actually just trying the product. And so so anyway, I think yeah. for now at least we are. Better served as a 100 percent inbound kind of company, and uh, maybe spend those resources on you know customer success or engagement or something like that.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. But it was fun yeah. while it lasted. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad it wasn't a complete drag. <laughs> you got to you got to learn a little bit about sales. Yeah, yeah. I imagine. Yeah, competition. Just like the we're in such a comp- like a competitive space, and most of our competitors all, or our competitors also go for those like enterprise segments. So it could actually be, you know, it sh- could be good for us to stay. You focused on the, on the smaller, like, you know, the smaller, the, the smaller end of the market in a way, because they're probably somewhat underserved at this point. All
2: right. So when is the hook relay launch? TV? Or does it have a fixed a fixed yeah. date? Okay. So we don't know when to tell we're people We're meeting, to- we're
1: meeting next, uh, next week to kind of finalize it. But I'm, I'm imagining like we're, We're going to push it out the door as soon as we have, you know, some, I think we're going to wait for a few updates to the homepage, but otherwise we're, we're going to ship it. And who knows, like if, if this project ends up kind of dragging on at all or anything, like we could just decide to, you know, kind of just go what we have. It's not, it's, it's workable. So maybe we should just like stop procrastinating, (laughs) but we'll, we'll decide next week at our marketing meeting.
0: Yeah, the, the good news is we already have customers who are using it, who are paying us money to use it. So yeah. uh, that's that's nice. Like it's not just burning cash with a bunch of a rack of servers, you know, doing nothing. You know.
1: Hmm. So I would say it's in the next couple of weeks. It's awesome.
2: In, I'm sure yeah. when that happens, we'll be blowing horns and making all sorts of noise on this show, <laughs> and directing yeah, people to the right place. Well, y'all have been listening to found request If you wanna go rate us on Apple podcasts or whatever the kids are calling it these days go for it and yeah we'll catch you next week thank you
1: founder quest is a weekly podcast by the founders of honey badger zero instrumentation 360 degree coverage of errors outages and service degradations for your web apps if you have a web app you need it available at honeybadger.io one more from the founders go to founderquestpodcast.com that's one word where you can access our huge back catalog of episodes. FounderQuest is available on iTunes, Spotify, and other purveyors of fine podcasts. We'll see you next week.